Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now save $30 on the American-made steel FS56 RCE trimmer. Real steel. The FS56 RCE is made in America of U.S. and global materials. Offer valid through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Appreciate all of you. My name is Clay Travis. This is Outkick the Show. I hope you are having fabulous Fridays. I'm about to hop into the car and head to Knoxville, Tennessee for the Georgia-Tennessee game. I will be on Big Noon tomorrow. Uh, I'll tweet out where we're doing our live shot from in the event any of you want to come and hop in the background and wave at your friends and family uh, as we get closer to kickoff. Um, I'll also share all my gambling picks with you, uh, which are out and up on OutKick. Um, big news, though. Let's go ahead and dive in. Joe Burrow just breaking in the last 10 or 15 minutes out for the remainder of the season. This is a huge loss, obviously, to the Bengals. It's also the latest in a long line. It's a wrist-related injury uh, with Joe Burrow. Uh, Deshaun Watson also out for the season with a shoulder issue. Kirk Cousins tore his Achilles. Daniel Jones has a knee-related issue. Anthony Richardson has a shoulder. Aaron Rodgers has an Achilles. That is six different starting quarterbacks that are out for the season. And uh, obviously, Joe Burrow and the Bengals a massive issue going forward. This is also a big deal in the AFC North in particular, where Deshaun Watson's already out. Uh, Lamar Jackson still so far healthy. And uh, you've got Kenny Pickett healthy with the Steelers. But all four of the teams in the AFC North had been competing at a high level. You weren't sure who was going to end up winning that division. But now you have had two quarterbacks, Joe Burrow and Deshaun Watson, both drop in the past couple of weeks. Uh, there was already an investigation ongoing. The Bengals uh, pulled Joe Burrow from the Thursday night football game uh, in that game against the Ravens last night. Didn't think that he was healthy. They tried to, it appears, cover up the fact that he had an injury-related issue uh, with his wrist. And now he is out for the remainder of the season, according to multiple reports. This will be the second season that Joe Burrow will have not been able to finish. I think it was his rookie year uh, when he had the uh, the knee, uh, the ACL issue uh, based on just getting destroyed in a sack where the offensive line collapsed around him. So this will now be the second season that Joe Burrow is not able to complete. Um, and just two years, I believe it is, removed from making the uh, Super Bowl in the year where they beat my Titans, a divisional round game that I probably will never recover from. Uh, Joe Burrow and the Bengals uh, probably losing their chance at a significant step forward. Let me make sure. I want, I'm not even sure who the backup is uh, for the Bengals. They just gave Joe Burrow $250 million. Uh, and Joe Burrow now out for the season. Uh, that guaranteed contract, one of the biggest that has ever existed in the history of the NFL. Um, and this is going to be, obviously, a huge story uh, going forward. So, uh, that is the latest there. I want to mention the latest here, too. And let me make sure that I get everybody's name right uh, on this. Michigan has now fired their linebacker coach, 
uh, Chris Partridge. This happened in the last couple of hours. Uh, announcement comes a day after Michigan dropped the legal case. Uh, this is uh, related to, obviously, uh, everything that has surrounded the Connor Stallions investigation into sign stealing. Now, yesterday, when the news broke that Michigan would not be contesting the three-game suspension by the Big Ten, I actually was not surprised by this. And I tweeted about it. Uh, and my analysis, as uh, some of you may have heard earlier in the week, as soon as the judge in Washtenaw County chose not to grant Jim Harbaugh's TRO to allow him to coach against Penn State. The odds of her granting uh, this TRO on the hearing that was scheduled today before the Maryland game was very small. People say, why? One of the, the ways that you get a temporary restraining order is by demonstrating that if you are not given the TRO, you will suffer irreparable harm. To me... Not being able to coach a game, if you are then found to have not violated the rules, would be an irreparable harm. Because you can't go back and allow Jim Harbaugh to coach against Penn State, Maryland, and also against Ohio State. So I thought the judge, particularly because it was in the county, Washtenaw County, where uh, the University of Michigan is located, I thought she would grant the TRO. To be fair, based on the filings, and my reading of the filings, if I had been the judge, I would have granted the TRO. But once she chose not to give that restraining order to Michigan, uh, then the odds of them getting a restraining order on this Friday uh, were low. Because if there's already been an irreparable harm, which there would have been, based on Jim Harbaugh not being able to coach in the game against Penn State, how do you suddenly say, oh, but we've got to give the TRO now, uh, on the Maryland game and on the uh, the game against Ohio State when there already was the loss of the ability for Jim Harbaugh to coach in that game uh, against Penn State. So I think Michigan was going to end up losing uh, in this particular scenario. So I think the legal decision they made was also prompted by the reality of this uh, scenario, which was they were unlikely to be able to win this. Now, I also said, and I do believe this is true, the other reason not to appeal is you can now argue that you have taken all of the action you need to and that the punishment that was given by the Big Ten is going to be knocking out any additional punishment from the NCAA. And this is what I said from the get-go. I didn't think that anything would happen that would take away Michigan's ability to compete for a national championship. I said, I don't think Michigan, the Big Ten, or the NCAA is going to take action that disallows Michigan's pursuit of a championship. I think somebody's going to have to beat them. Uh, and a lot of people said, no, you're wrong, Clay. And, but the history of these investigations is that they take a long time, and by the time they are actually uh, fully appealed and fully worked through, we are long since past whatever uh, timeline of a championship pursuit existed. So I still believe that that's unlikely that they're going to take any action. I'd be stunned if they said, oh, you're not eligible for the Big Ten, or they said, uh, Michigan, you're not eligible for the playoff, or something akin to that. I don't think that's going to happen. But I do think by accepting this uh, punishment, Michigan can argue if the NCAA tries to take a bite of the punishment apple as well, Michigan will come out and say, no, 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 we've already served our punishment for this issue. This is effectively double jeopardy 
you are punishing us more for something that we've already acknowledged as an issue, and therefore we do not believe that this punishment is justified. That's what I would anticipate Michigan's defense will be going forward. Um, Now, how effective will that uh, defense be? I think probably decently effective. The reality is Michigan's going to spend millions of dollars in legal fees. The billable hour always wins these disputes. Lawyers are going to get paid. Uh, But I think before all is said and done, uh, that there will actually be some sort of agreed resolution. Michigan will end up paying a fine to the NCAA. They might end up docking themselves some some of the... uh, some scholarships, not unlike what happened to Tennessee uh, as uh, it resolved finally its issue with the NCAA surrounding Jeremy Pruitt. So that's the latest on Michigan uh, as we speak. Continued uh, data uh, coming out, continued facts coming out. But again, I think Michigan will win and cover tomorrow. And then this will be a huge story all of next week uh, as we roll through Thanksgiving week and get ready for the Michigan game where they host Ohio State. Jim Harbaugh will not be on the sideline. Major League Baseball. This is a big story, okay? This is a big and important story. Rob Manfred, the commissioner of Major League Baseball, bought into the lie spread by Joe Biden and Stacey Abrams that the new uh, bill that was passed in Georgia designed to strengthen the security of voting was Jim Crow 2.0, that it was a racist attack upon black Georgians and their ability to vote. And as a result of all of these lies, Rob Manfred pulled the All-Star game out of Atlanta and moved it to Denver, Colorado. For those of you who did not pay a lot of attention to this, Joe Biden lied. The 2022 election happened. There were zero issues with black voters. In fact, the overall turnout was up substantially in 2022 compared to 2018. Joe Biden's uh, going and making speeches. He even said this wasn't even Jim Crow. This was Jim Eagle. He was trying to argue it was worse than Jim Crow. Uh, he said it was a uh, it was a return to the pre-civil rights South. He said anybody who supported this was akin to being a modern-day Jefferson Davis. All lies. All of it was lies. All of the data reflects it was lies. I told you at the time that Rob Manfred should be ashamed of himself. He was well-informed by the governor of Georgia, uh, Brian Kemp. So were all these other CEOs that decided they needed to take a stand on this issue. It's embarrassing how pathetic this decision was. Well, now Rob Manfred is coming back and Atlanta's going to get the 2025 All-Star Game. First of all, Congratulations to the Braves. Congratulations to the city of Atlanta. Congratulations to Braves fans everywhere. This is going to be a fun event, and it should go well. And they should have never taken the All-Star game away. But Rob Manfred should have to answer for buying into Joe Biden's lies. And if we had an honest sports media, and we had an honest national media, this would be a huge story. It would be everywhere. Everybody wants to talk about fake news or disinformation or misinformation. This is the definition of a lie that was spread by left-wing media that was 100% untrue, that has been proven to be untrue, and now the Braves are getting back the All-Star game that they should have never lost. Almost no one's talking about it. Almost no one is covering it. And this ties in with another story 
that I think is getting a ton of attention. And I went and I listened to it, and I'm like, I just, I don't understand why this is a big story. So Carissa Thompson, full disclosure, friend of mine, we worked together back in the day on Fox Sports Live. I like Carissa. I've known her for a long time. We don't work together now. She's at Fox Sports, uh, and she's at Amazon, I believe. She went on with the Pardon My Take guys at Barstool, and she made a joke about sideline reporting back in the day, uh, and, uh, and it was part of a larger context where she said the job was not easy to do, and sometimes coaches won't talk, and, uh, and it turned into a huge story. Um, and I just want to point this out as I dive into it. This is emblematic of what I think is the failure of sports media. We have created in social media a universe where relatively inconsequential stories, words, uh, uh, minor narratives become huge. This is one of the top trending topics in all of America yesterday. Carissa Thompson's interview talking about sideline reporters, a small snippet of it. Everybody was reacting to it. Number one story in sports media by far. Almost no one reacted to Major League Baseball coming back to Atlanta. My issue here is we have uh, a situation where everybody piles on a relatively powerless person based on something that they said that people don't like, which is relatively inconsequential. And meanwhile, a huge story, which everybody should be talking about, Major League Baseball getting it wrong on Georgia, deciding to come back to Atlanta, almost no one comments on. And I tweeted about this, but this is a challenge out there. How many people condemned Rob Manfred and Carissa Thompson? That is, how many people had strong takes to attack Rob Manfred for being an idiot on a super consequential issue on behalf of someone with a lot of power, the commissioner of Major League Baseball, compared to how many people reacted to Carissa Thompson. And what I mean is, we have a relatively inconsequential story that gets orders of magnitude of attention. And simultaneously, we have an actually really big story that gets almost no attention at all. It's backwards the way that people respond to this. And I think, why does the Carissa Thompson story become a big one? I think because deep down, massive amounts of sports media members are super insecure about what they do for a living. And I get it. You're a grown-up who writes about what happens in games or talks about what happens in games for a living. And if you really consider yourself to be a journalist, is this what you went to journalism school for? To write about whether somebody's going to play with a sprained ankle or not? I mean, that's fun. But it's frivolous, right? That sports is the toy chest of life. And so I think there are a lot of sports journalists that are super insecure about their job. And let's be honest, there's hardly any actual journalists in sports. And I'm not talking, I'm an opinion guy, right? Sometimes I break news. Most of the time I just give you my opinion. You can agree or disagree with it. How many people are breaking stories that would otherwise not exist but for their work in the world of sports. Almost no one. And this is important and consequential. I started talking about the Big J's a long time ago 
uh, when I started OutKick, uh, the big J journalist who wanted to argue that sports journalism is really important. It matters if you break a news story first. But only, in my opinion, if the story would otherwise not exist. Breaking a story about where a free agent is going, it's fun, it matters, it certainly can be lucrative, but that's not really breaking news to me. To me, journalistically breaking news is, if we hadn't done this investigation, this story would have never happened. Where a free agent signs, whether a guy's got a torn ACL or not, uh, those are not, to me, sports journalism stories in the traditional context because it's going to get out, right? The team's going to announce it. Sooner or later, everybody's going to know what's going on there. To me, the actual journalism story is one that somebody gets that otherwise would not have been public. Can you name to me a sports story that got out in sports journalism that otherwise would not have occurred this year that was consequential? I can't even think of one. Somebody broke a story due to all the hard work that they were doing that otherwise would not have gotten out there. You know, who a team's going to take with the number one overall draft pick when you break it matters. But we're going to find out 10 minutes later or 10 days later, whatever. Somebody's going to get drafted number one overall. Most sports journalists aren't actually journalists in the traditional context. They might have an opinion. That's fine. It's fun to talk about sports. But to me, journalism requires breaking news that would have otherwise not been broken because of the dent of your hard work. Anybody do that in sports? Almost non-existent. Right? That's the truth of the matter. So I think there's a lot of insecurity about this. But what I would say in general is, if you were fired up about what Carissa Thompson said on a podcast and you didn't say a word about Rob Manfred buying into Joe Biden's lie, you aren't actually speaking truth to power. You're just piling on someone that everybody else is piling on. And this is the, uh, this is the you know, maybe the, the non-conventional aspect of, of, of my life. For my whole life, I don't like when I see somebody getting dragged by everyone on social media for a minor and relatively inconsequential issue, right? Carissa Tom, think about this. Carissa Thompson got ripped more for her opinion and the funny story that she was telling about sideline reporting than Deshaun Watson did for allegedly sexually assaulting 30 different women by sports media. If you're a sideline reporter and you ripped Carissa Thompson to the high heavens and you didn't say anything about Rob Manfred or Deshaun Watson, you aren't actually doing anything in terms of advancing the cause of journalism. You're just deciding you're going to pile on one person while mostly ignoring somebody else. So again, for my entire career, I've been of the opinion, hey, let's punish actual violent actions more significantly than we do jokes that we don't like or relatively inconsequential uh, uh, breaches of protocol, which is what everybody on Twitter seems to rush forward to as much and as quickly as they can.
And right after that, we'll continue the discussion. But first, a momentary break. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Uh, I want to tell you, uh, as I get ready to, uh, to head into Thanksgiving next week, how about spicing up your Thanksgiving? Uh, as you get ready for, uh, for Thanksgiving, how about making sure that you've got the Manscaped Lawnmower 5.0 Ultra? That's right. Time to go cold turkey on your old razor and take care of your own turkey leg with the Lawnmower 5.0 Ultra. Visit manscaped.com, use the code OUTKICK for 20% off and free shipping, and enjoy Thanksgiving in style with the Lawnmower 5.0 Ultra. Gobble, gobble. Again, 20% off free shipping with the code OUTKICK at manscaped.com. 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com. Use that code OUTKICK. Be thankful this holiday season for the best gift of all from Manscaped. Your balls will thank you. Uh, Patriot Awards last night, fantastic. Uh, So much fun to be a part of. Tommy Laren and Riley Gaines were with me. It happened in my hometown of Nashville. All of Fox News there. Uh, they did uh, The Five. They did uh, Jesse Waters, Laura Ingram, Sean Hannity. All of those shows originated from Nashville. Super fun time. Important, uplifting, fantastic event. They honored the Nashville police officers who responded and killed the trans shooter. Uh, more power to them. For, uh, for being so brave and courageous. It was great to get to shake those guys' hands. Um, I still think we should see the Nashville Trans Shooter Manifesto, uh, but it was awesome per, uh, personally uh, to get to meet all of those Nashville police as they were being honored uh, for what they had done uh, to help ensure that as few people as possible were victims of that trans shooter. Um, a lot of people reacting. There is a TikTok out. Uh, that had Osama bin Laden's letter to America, a purported defense for why the 9-11 attacks occurred. And I saw this, and to me, it's just emblematic of our failure to teach American exceptionalism to young people in this country. Um, And I was thinking about this because I was 22 years old when 9-11 happened. I was a first-year law student at Vanderbilt University, I was sitting in my torts classroom when these uh, planes flew in and I watched the towers collapse in the foyer of Vanderbilt University Law School. They had wheeled in televisions. Uh, I woke up early that morning to go into class and they said, hey, uh, a, uh, a plane has hit. And then we didn't have uh, cell phones like we do today where you could be texting all day long and everything else. So you didn't have the news popping up. You didn't have alerts turned on. Social media didn't exist. So we didn't really know. We went through class, and then we came out, and we found out what happened. Um, But I was thinking about this recently because if you're a college kid today, let's say you're 18, 19, 20, 21, 22 years old, uh, you were born never having known or experienced 9-11. And so it's as remote to you 
as, you know, let's say the RFK and MLK assassinations might have been to me potentially uh, back in the day. And that's why history matters. And that's why you have an obligation to teach kids history. But it is a moral failing of America that many people on the left have lost the ability to distinguish between good and evil. And if you are willing to believe that the United States of America is evil, as many people are, based on their perverted uh, guidelines of history that they are following, then you can see how there is a direct connection between al-Qaeda and Hamas in that both of those terrorist organizations killed thousands of innocent people without any defense at all, and yet they have been in some ways embraced by the left in this country. I think it's frankly indefensible, but it's a failure, not of TikTok, because TikTok is just the mirror upon which we can see the reflection of what our failure produces. It's a failure of American education system. It's a failure of parenting. If you can't teach your kids the difference between good and evil, then you failed as a parent. One of the challenges, I think, is that there is so little evil in the United States today that much of the evil has to be manufactured. So that's how you get to Donald Trump is Hitler. That's how you create a universe where someone who has a different political opinion than you is evil. That's how we get to a position where words that upset you are the equivalent of violent acts. But it is a profound failure of the left in this country that when over a thousand innocent Israelis were massacred, murdered in the most, de- uh, the most awful terror attack, biggest loss of Jewish life to violence since the Holocaust, huge percentages of Americans, particularly on the left and particularly among young people, have been unable to recognize what evil is. They spent a lot of time saying that people who had different political opinions than them were Nazis. When actual true violence occurred, when the modern-day equivalent of Nazi actions, that is the massacre of tons of innocent Jews, occurred, they weren't able to condemn it, and they think they're on the right side of history. This is, I think, very, very scary to think about going forward. All right. I love all of you. Uh, I am headed uh, out to Knoxville right now to go be there for big noon kickoff. I'll be there for the Georgia-Tennessee game. Uh, quick run-through of my gambling picks. Louisville-Miami, under 47.5. Rutgers-Penn State, under 42.5. Michigan, minus 19.5. UMass Liberty, Liberty, minus 27.5. These were the numbers that were out on Monday. Uh, UVA-Duke, under 46.5. Illinois-Iowa, the over 30.5. I've got Tennessee plus the points against Georgia. Uh, UNC Clemson, the over. Missouri minus the points and the over. My blood bank guarantee, in fact, is the over in the Mizzou game. Texas, Iowa State. I think Iowa State upsets things and wins outright. I got them plus seven and a half. Washington, Oregon State, the over. Kentucky, South Carolina, the over as well. Uh, Chargers minus three. Dolphins minus ten and a half. Cowboys minus ten and a half. Steelers, Browns, under. Uh, and Giants Commanders, I have got the Commanders minus the points. All right, I love all of you. If you're going to be up in Knoxville, I hope to see some of you for the Georgia-Tennessee game. I'll be up there with my seventh grader. This has been Outkick the Show. DBAP, unless you need to SBAP, have safe and uh, fantastic weekends. 
I'll be back with you guys on Monday.